We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for September 5th, 2010. And today we're going over some Bible verses to start off things and then kind of segueing into a related article relating to these Bible verses. Um, I just put a little label on here, Believer's Authority in Christ and Warring in the Spirit. Just some different Bible verses to think about and kind of an encouraging thing in the day and times we're moving into. And again, we will always have these available uh, in the PDF that will be associated with this teaching on contendingfortruth.com for the date of um, September 5th, 2010. So you can always access those and have a, a printable format there. Uh, Psalm 91.13 says that thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, shall thou trample under feet. Now, psalm 91 is a great psalm altogether regarding protection from the Lord, um, regarding essentially warring in the spirit from a biblical standpoint. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So a lot of these things that we get into on a weekly basis, if you're not meditating on the word of God, they can invoke fear, fear of man. But the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. Uh, we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us, according to 2 Corinthians 2.11. Um, but at the same time, we're not to walk around in fear of man, and we want to have the fear of the Lord. Is actually The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's the beginning of understanding, it's the beginning of knowledge. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. So there's also... Um, an application of protection from God, those that fear God. And if you look up fear of God or fear of the Lord in um, Proverbs and um, Psalms, there's really not anything in the Bible that's connected with more blessings than fear of the Lord. Um, but that's a whole other subject. Ephesians 6.10 through... 18, and we, and we quote parts of these verses all the time, but I'll just go ahead and read them. Now, And again, the, the reason I get into this is because we're really moving into a time where uh, things, although they've been ramping up, I really believe we're on the cusp of a lot of potentially very horrific things within the next, could be in the next two days, could be in the next two weeks, two months, two years. Uh, but I think it's incremental. I think we're seeing it. These stories that we're reporting on on a weekly basis. Um, I'm almost at a loss for words anymore with this type of information. Um, Hawk just went off the air this year. Hawk, the one with Steve Quayle. He's went off the air for good now. Um, and uh, basically said that God gave him the, the verse of... Um, here, I'll, I'll just read it, this little excerpt from his uh, newsletter. He said that, um, I sought the Lord Jesus in prayer on the weekend of my last show. and it was, it was as if the Lord had removed the strong fire to act as a watchman from me. A lifting of this mantle, so to speak. Or in a sense, a removal of this watchman from the wall. Not out of the fight completely, but kind of a stand down. I asked the Lord why. I got the message of Proverbs 27 verse 12 regarding the prudent man. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. 
then he goes on to say, In my spirit I knew that the Lord was giving me the time of respite, but also time to prepare my family's welfare against them, against what has seemingly already begun. There's been a lot of attempts on his life. Um, there's been a lot of interference lately with his broadcast. There's been police showing up at his door. Uh, all kind of crazy stuff going on. And then he also goes on to say, A chance to make provisions in safely and safety and to plan for either standing, pat, or to move to a place of sanctuary. I will be obedient to his will as he has impressed upon me that America and much of the world is out of time, so to speak, and, and is about to be judged. I will pray that you would heed this last warning from me. So this is probably the last, I don't know if this is the last thing we'll hear from him or not, but he also goes on to say, and Steve Quayle went on to say, that um, after Labor Day, which is after tomorrow, there, and again, I, I'm not saying, I'm not being dogmatic about this, I'm telling you this is what they've said, this is some of what their contacts have told them, that there's a good chance that um, limited implementation of the red list will begin. Meaning, they were going to go after the highest profile people um, on radio, blogs, internet. I'm sure I'd be included in there. Um, and that was going to happen after tomorrow, which is this is Sunday. So, you know, I'm not afraid. I'm just telling you flat out, I'm not afraid. Uh, because the Lord is my Redeemer. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. And I'm not going to walk around in fear of man. I just, and the thing is, is the Lord's the one that's given that to me. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm big and bad and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm so tough or whatever. I'm telling you, the Lord's given me that peace. It's not anything I'm trying to muster up. I just don't have it. And uh, I've firmly been convinced that there's going to come a day and a time. The Bible says the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus said that. I must work the works of him that sent me, uh, the, my father, and the night cometh when no man can work. So, whether that's going to happen this week or whether it's going to happen next year, I don't know. But I really believe um, it could happen very soon. There's a lot of things going on regarding the potential for World War III starting. And I also believe that always, always, always... God will always preserve his remnant, a remnant. Now, I'm not saying there's people that aren't going to be persecuted or there's people that aren't going to be martyred. That's contradictory to the Bible, totally, particularly regarding the end times. Um, but the fact remains is that worst case scenario, if anyone was ever martyred, well, that's the door to heaven. And you're not going to have to worry about this stuff that we're dealing with anymore once you pass beyond that door into eternity. It's the door to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. So absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And um, uh, he had said that they were going to target, like I said, the, the, a lot of the high-profile people. Um, granted, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I think there's going to come, uh, come a time, though, when that does happen. And um, the one thing about it, though, as I've said in the past, you know, they could show up at your door with tanks. They could they could fire, you know, hellfire missiles at your at your wherever you're at. You could have the hordes of hell at your door. And if the Lord Jesus Christ is protecting you, they won't be able to get to you. They won't be able to do it. But you have to have the faith to believe that that is so. 
You have to have the faith to believe that they that literally you could be surrounded by an army. And if it's not God, if it's not your time, because it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. If it's not your appointed time, it doesn't matter. They can't take you out. God's got and God's got a uh, plan for every person in the body of Christ. I believe that. And that's why the Bible says, can the finger say to the eye, depart of me, I have no need of you. I'm not any more important than anyone else. We should. I mean, nobody should go around saying, well, I've got this whatever ministry and I'm better. We're not, in God's eyes, we're all important. We just need to be obedient with whatever God gives us. And what God's given you may be totally different than what he's given me. Just be obedient to whatever he's given you. And have the faith to believe that, yes, he can protect you and your family, no matter what. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how dark it looks. Just believe it. Well, what is that? That's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So you can't see it, you know, but it's the substance of things hoped for. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, that's why I say, if you, if you want to build your faith, get in the Word of God, listen to it, have it playing in your house. It will build your faith. And, and make sure it's a King James Bible, if, if it's in the English language. I've been down that road many times on that as well. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So without it, you can't please Him. And if you're walking around in fear of man, and with no faith, then you can't please God. And don't expect to have his his protection then either. I mean, because if, if you don't have any faith to believe that God can protect you, then that's probably the very thing that's going to happen. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to just go over some things regarding the subject of faith. Here, this, and then going back to these Bible verses that we talked about, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to, stand, to withstand in the evil day, and having all done, having done all to stand. So it talks a lot about here of having the full armor of God on and standing. Standing against the enemy. Not retreating. If you have your armor on and you turn your back and run, your backside's exposed. You don't have any armor on the backside, according to the to the armor that we're going to talk about in a second. So that's another thing to think about. Going further here, it says, um, "Stand having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness." Now these are these are also things that you do this, but these are things you should also be operating in on an everyday basis. I mean, you shouldn't be going around being a liar, lying about stuff all the time, and saying, "Well, I have my loins girt about with truth, and I'm a habitual liar or something." You know what I mean? It contradicts the armor of God. Uh, breastplate, of, breastplate of righteousness, you know, righteous life. Your feet shot, and again, this is all through the Lord Jesus Christ, not in and of yourself. Your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This implies witnessing. Above all, taking, it says above all, taking the shield of faith. So much of what I see in the Bible really boils down to faith. 
Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, that's how we get saved. Through faith. So it says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, if your faith is getting bigger, um, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're, if you're increasing your faith through biblical means, then I believe that means your shield's getting bigger. I think. I mean, from a spiritual standpoint, if your faith's really tiny, is it going to be the same shield as the, as, the, as the shield of somebody who has tons of faith that can move mountains? No, I think their, their shield's going to be bigger than yours. Well, why do you need that? Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Things that would hit these fiery darts of the wicked that may hit somebody with small faith aren't going to hit somebody with a bigger shield, with a bigger amount of faith. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, it just seems obvious that's what this infers here. And then the helmet of salvation, which was implied, you know, in order to put on the full armor of God, you need to be saved. I mean, you're not going to have some unsaved heathen walk around the full armor of God on. <laughs> um, and then the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I mean, when Jesus Christ comes back on a white horse, what comes out of his mouth? A sword. I mean, the Bible says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same in the beginning was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's John 1. And the word became flesh... And dwelt among men. So Jesus Christ is the incarnate word. And um, this is implied with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So again, it's very important to be able to quote scripture. And um, I like, I tell you, if I go to these really wicked, evil places, I, I like to have the King James Bible with me, literally. I mean, I like to have the Word of God with me. I, I mean, it's one thing for me to quote it, but to have the Bible there with me, I, I, I figure it can't hurt, you know. Uh, it's the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is essentially how Jesus is going to wipe out all the armies in Armageddon. The sword of the Spirit is exactly how Jesus Christ dealt with Satan in the wilderness. He just quoted Scripture. That's all he did, if you think about it. He quoted Scripture to Satan when he tempted him. Well, we're to be followers of him, right? So, that's a real safe thing to do. You get in a situation like that, or whatever, you just quote scripture. Okay, let's go further. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Again, another reference here. Oh no, I'm sorry. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and also watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then we go to 2 Corinthians 10.3, for, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning fleshly or earthly type of thing, are not carnal, but mighty through, the, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 1 John 3.8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. You don't hear that quoted a lot of times in regular preaching. But these verses on warfare that we were just talking about, we're not warring in, um, the weapons of a warfare are not carnal. Well, a weapon, I mean, it implies a battle that we're in. Well, if you're in a battle, you're either winning or losing. Okay, so, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. I really believe we have that, we're supposed to be followers of Christ, we have that ability ourselves to do that. Through, like, prayer and fasting and just whatever obedient thing the Lord would have you do. I mean, I mean that, that could fall under a lot of different categories um, regarding that subject of destroying the works of the devil. I mean, that could be just visiting somebody that's in demonic bondage and leading them to the Lord. Well, you've just destroyed some strongholds of the devil that ha- that person had in their lives. That's just an example, you know. Luke ten seventeen says, And the seventy return again with joy, saying, Lord, to Jesus, even the devils are subject unto us by thy name. <laughs> Praise the Lord, man. Now that gets me fired up. The devils are subject unto us by thy name? See, it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't do this any other way. You're not going to go out there. Like, I, I love these shows, these ghost hunter shows and the psychic show. Yeah, we're going to go do battle against Satan or these evil. And I'm thinking, you pathetic imbeciles. What are you thinking? You can't, you can't go and, and you're using the devil to battle the devil. A house divided against itself cannot stand. If Satan be against Satan, you know what I mean? That The Bible verse where Jesus... It doesn't work that way. These people go out and they act like they're, they're, they're doing something wonderful and all they're really doing is bringing glory to Satan. These people, these psychics and all these other people. Or glory to themselves. The next verse says, And he said unto them, Jesus, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. This is in reference to when actually Lucifer fell and um, I believe became Satan at that point. Or was Satan, but I mean, he his name was changed. Then he says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now this implies spiritual. I don't, I don't really think we're we're dealing with, um, I mean, I'm not saying God couldn't give you actual power to tread on serpents and scorpions, as far as from a physical standpoint, but I think we're, we're more in reference to spiritual things here. Because he says, and overall, the power of the enemy. Well, the enemy, again, is we battle not against flesh and blood. That's our true enemy, but against princes and principalities. So, see, we have this authority through the Lord Jesus Christ. We just have to believe that we can, we can do it. And then he goes on to say, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. These are good verses to quote when you're scared. The Bible also says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Psalm 56.3. That's how I memorized it. Because it rhymes. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Psalm 56.3. Um, I learned that on those Iwana tapes. <laughs> Taylor had when she was a little girl. Those are good. I tell you, you can learn some massive amount of scripture off those Iwana tapes. 
problem is, is Iwan has been compromised at this point, and um, they're. Uh, but I think you could still get the KJV tapes online, um, and it's a good way to learn scripture. Songs are a great way to learn scripture. Just make sure it's the King James versions. Anyway, uh, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This is Jesus Christ talking. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. So we're not supposed to go around and say, oh, we're so big and bad and tough. These, these devils, I mean, I hear a lot of charismatics go around and say, oh, this stupid, idiotic Satan. I put him under my feet. I crush his head. I, and they're saying all manner of, of stuff against these spirits. And the Bible says that when Michael contended for the body of Moses in the wilderness, I believe in the book of Jude, that he brought not a railing accusation against Satan, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. That's all he said. And then it says, and Michael being greater in power than us. I mean, Michael's like chief archangel. Okay? I don't know of an archangel higher than him. If, if there is one, I don't know about it in the Bible. But Michael being greater in power did not bring a railing accusation against Satan, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. So I don't think we're supposed to go around cussing out demons or going nutty and, and I'm, I've seen a lot of I was probably I, I know I was in that boat as a charismatic at one time got to be careful what we say I think the, the the thing that we have the the greatest example we have here is with this with Michael he said the Lord rebuke you it's, it's always a safe bet I believe to say the Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you and also quote scripture um and, you know, there's a lot of different scripture you, you can memorize regarding these things, particularly if it's something personally affecting you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's implying the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Psalm 64, I've gotten to that many, many times, is a, a prayer of protection for God dealing with primarily your spiritual enemies. Because even if you're encountering physical people... It's the spirits that emanate and operate through them. They're actually your real enemies. So anyway, um, I just wanted to kind of go over some Bible verses before we get started. And then it kind of pertains to this next subject I'll be going over. Tom Horn uh, has put out a multi-part series entitled Forbidden Gates. How genetics, robotics, artificial intelligence... Synthetic biology, nanotechnology, and human enhancement herald the dawn of the techno-dimensional spiritual warfare. Now, that's a mouthful there. Uh, these are just some excerpts from parts, actually, I think four and five. Yeah, three. I guess three, four, and five. Yeah. Anyway, um, this first one, Gregory Boyd in his book, in his book, God at War, the Bible and Spiritual Conflict, explains, he says, quote, It is therefore the responsibility of every believer to understand the need to put on the whole armor of God that may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The general assumption of both the Old and New Testaments is that the earth is virtually engulfed by a cosmic battle between good and evil, and that evil and suffering are ultimately due to the evil aspect of this diabolical siege. This is something to think about. Because everybody's always blaming God for everything. You, have you noticed that? It's particularly in the day and times we live in. Oh, you know, they, they say all these terrible things against God. 
and they'll cuss God and they'll do all these things about God. And the reality is, is it's Satan's fault. It's not God's fault. We're always wanting to blame God. Well, <laughs> you know, if I got what I deserved, I'd get death and hell. I mean, I had a near-death experience, I guess you call it or whatever. I overdosed on a uh, drug called GHB. It was legal. You could buy it in the health food store at the time. But it was before it actually was banned. And gamehydroxybutyrate is the actual chemical na- name of it. And um, I passed out at a football game. This was before I was saved. It was in chiropractic college. And I mean, me, bo- both me and my friend both, we passed out. And uh, we had combined it with beer. A carbonate and it had some chemical reaction and normally it's you know not a, that big of a deal taking in the dosages we were taking in it but in this particular case it killed us the paramedics were there at the football field and they found us and we were both flatlined flatlined i was like 22 or 23 i guess and i mean they've they've defibrillated us back to life if I would have died there, I'd be in hell right now, burning and rotten, and I wouldn't be here talking to you. I wouldn't be here. So, you know, if I got what I deserved, I'd get death and hell. I'm not going to go around being mad at God. I'm going to go around praising the Lord Jesus Christ because He had mercy on me. I was terrible. I was terrible back then. I'd go out every weekend and get drunk so bad because I had to be the life of the party. I would get so drunk that I literally did not remember how I got home on any given weekend. I had to be the drunkest one in any part. And then I'd get behind the wheel and drive. I did this hundreds of times and never killed anybody. Hundreds. I got pulled over by cops, drunk out of my mind. Some, one time with a big old vodka and coke literally on the floorboard between my legs. And I got off every single time. Every time. One time I took a swing at a cop. He pulled me over. I was so drunk, I took a swing at the guy. He grabbed my keys because I was trying to get back in my car. Took a swing at him. And again, I really believe the Lord was watching out over me. He was, his, I, get, I think it's referred to as prevenient grace. The kind of grace that God gives you before you get saved. Because God knew you had a plan. But I mean, I took a swing at this cop. And I mean, um, he... Uh, but because I, I mentioned the name of my friend and his dad had a ton of pull in our hometown i didn't get sent to jail his dad came and picked me up i can tell you story after story after story i would get so drunk at parties and i wasn't doing stuff like cocaine or, or marijuana it was mostly just alcohol and it wasn't like i was doing it during the week it was like on only on the weekends or sometimes it'd be every other or every third or whatever it wasn't like an alcoholic but when i got drunk man i was out of control i'm the type of person that's all or nothing and I mean, I go out and get drunk, and I mean, I would not remember how I got home. I would have to call people the next day to find out what I did at the party that night. Because I didn't know. It was like the first time I'd ever heard. That's how drunk I used to get. Do you know how many people I could have killed? Or how many times I should have been doing tall time in prison for like DUI? I'm not going to sit here and get mad at God. No. No. I'm, there ain't no way I'm getting mad at God. I know if I got what I deserve. I know I get death in hell. 
So I just don't understand why people go around and get mad at the Lord and, and God when it's Satan's fault. It's not it's not God's. He's been merciful. He's been very merciful to me and I know to a lot of you. So anyway, um going back to the report here. Sorry about that. Um in the 10th chapter of Daniel. And again, this is the report from Tom Horn there. Uh the Bible lifts the curtain on interdimensional activity in what is considered to be one of the most important scriptures having to do with spiritual warfare. This is where the prophet Daniel is found fasting and praying for 21 days. Now this was considered a Daniel fast. He was um, abstaining from certain things. And and, um, you can look up Daniel fast, like just do a keyword search for it. Um, You can also look up biblical fasting, because I get a lot of questions. Now, I do have an attachment I can send people on that as well. Um, it's a lot. It, there's a lot of links and there's a lot of things. And I can't say I've read every little thing on every little link. But from what I did read, it looked pretty solid regarding that. So I can email that to you um, if you email me. And um, my email address is drjohnson at the letter i, the letter x, dot netcom. Dot com, and you can also get it off the website at contendingfortruth.com. So anyway, um, <clears throat> Daniel was found fasting and praying for 21 days. He had proposed to chasten himself before the Lord in hopes that God would bless him with a revelation of Israel's future. On the 21st day of his fast, while standing on the bank of the Tigris River, an angel suddenly appeared to him and said, From the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand... And to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. But the, the thing was, though, is he had to go the full 21 days in order for the actual prayer to get answered. Um, and again, we're going to read why in a second here. If a messenger was dispatched from heaven from the first day, why did it take three weeks before he arrived? The angel provided the answer by explaining that a powerful Persian demon, I believe it was called the Prince of Persia, had opposed him for 21 days. Not until the archangel Michael came to assist in the battle was he free to continue his journey. So these angels are actually up there fighting with one another. I mean, can you imagine? I would love to see one of those battles like take place like, you know what I mean? If like we could see into that realm, I think that'd be pretty awesome. It, it would probably overwhelm us so much to even see the battle. You know what I mean? I mean, just to even see an angel, I've seen what their reactions were. Can you imagine seeing one of those battles? Woo, man. Oh, wow. So anyway, um, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, let's see. So not until the archangel Michael came to assist in the battle was he free to continue his journey. The book of Daniel also describes similar powers at work behind Babylon, Greece, and Rome, revealing an incredible tenet that demons can control not only individuals, but entire societies on a territorial scale. See, this is something good to, to fully understand and get get your head wrapped. I know I quote these verses a lot about battling 
you know, who is our battle really with, but it's, it's good to, cause see, I get into so many current events and it's so easy to get your eyes off, just get your eyes on Obama. Obama's the call. No, 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 no. Number one, Obama's a puppet on a string. Bush was a puppet on a string. There's people above him in the Illuminati that are pulling those strings, but who's above them? <laughs> You've got, you can literally go right up the food chain to get to Satan. So again, it's good that we, we maintain that, um, viewpoint. So again, when it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, again, this is what we're in reference to here with this Prince of Persia fallen angel that Michael ultimately had to battle. That's We're kind of in that realm there. And there's different hierarchies, there's different rankings. So, going, this is going further in this article here. In Persian theology, the spirit that opposed Daniel and his angel would have been identified as Araman. Now, this isn't Persian theology, what I'm talking about here, okay? This is, their, this is what they would believe about this. Who's, I just thought this was kind of interesting, this next paragraph. Whose legend closely parallels the biblical fall of Lucifer. See, you have to understand, in either Persian, Egyptian, Sumerian, they've got very, very similar, many, many times, stories about the gods they've worshipped or the gods of old. What it is, is it's typically the same entity, just with a different name or repackaged slightly different. In this particular case, we're, ca- we're talking about Satan or Lucifer here. So again, the spirit that opposed Daniel in Persian theology and his angel would have been identified as Araman, whose legend closely parallels the biblical fall of Lucifer. According to per- the Persian religion, Araman was the death dealer, the powerful self-existing evil spirit from whom war and all other evils had their origin. He was the chief of the Keiko demons, or the fallen angels, is another word, way of saying Keiko demons. Expelled from heaven for their sins. After being kicked out of heaven, the Keiko demons, or demons, endeavored to settle down in various parts of the earth, and out of revenge found pleasure in tormenting the inhabitants of the earth. Why? Because we're creating in God's image. So if we're creating a God's image, and obviously they have a really big advantage of, uh, on us from a certain extent, we can't see them, <laughs> you know, they're pure evil, they've been around a lot longer than we have, they're actually probably operating in a much higher, to a certain extent, a much higher intelligence than we are. Now, I understand there's certain things that I believe we have an advantage of because I don't believe they can feel love and, and, or godly types of emotions, so they have a big disadvantage in that regard. But anyway... Um, let's see. The Keiko demons, Araman and his followers finally took up their abode in the space between heaven and earth and established their domain called Araman Abad. The abode of Araman is what it means. From this location, the Keiko demons could intrude into an attempt to corrupt the governments of men. I believe this is an actually another dimension they're in reference to. This abode of Araman, it's probably in another dimension. Part 5 of this report, just excerpts of, of this report. Now, this is another thing I have covered in the past, but it also relates to this subject. And I'm just going to touch on it again. And there's a lot of maybe new listeners that have never heard this. And it's, it's good, it, it relates to the Bible verses that I talked about at the beginning 
This very much, and what I'm trying to get you to do is make this real to you. I'm trying to make the Bible come alive to you. Because that's what it did for me. So in 1918, famed occultist Aleister Crowley, in an attempt to discover how those evil emissaries discussed in the last entry could be extended from their cosmos into man's reality, undertook to create a magical vortex that would span the gap between the world of the seen and the unseen. Now, Aleister Crowley was... He fancied himself as the wicked, wickedest man of, like, the 1900s. Uh, he called himself the Beast. He had liked to portray himself with 666 on his forehead. The man was beyond sick. I mean, I tried to watch a documentary on the guy once, and I, I had to just, I think I had to turn it off. I, I just couldn't take it anymore. He was so sickening. What these occultists do at these highest levels is so grotesque, so sickening, that I don't even want to get into the stuff that they do. But things that you probably would have never even envisioned or, or thought to do in your head, Satan puts in their head to do because Satan tries to defile them to the greatest possible extent because that is the way that they attain more power. is through debauchery and all manner of disgusting perverseness that you could ever even... It's hard to even comprehend it. But that's what they do. That's their religion. That's how they practice their religion. And guys like Aleister Crowley are very, very serious at how they practice their religion. Okay, so... Um, when we talk about this particular subject, um, again, Aleister Crowley attempted to discover those evil emissaries discussed in the last century would be could be extended from the cosmos into man's reality, undertook to create a magical vortex that would span the gap between the world of the seen and the unseen. Okay, the word, the, the question came up about what is a vortex. Well, essentially what he was trying to do is create a doorway from their dimension into our dimension where evil entities could literally come through into our dimension. These are sometimes referred to as stargates, sometimes referred to as wormholes, vortexes. Typically, it's many times the places where they'll do these will be in some place where either there's been a ton of innocent blood that's been shed, because that defiles the land, tons of witchcraft ceremonies have been performed, or where what we call ley lines cross, which are lines that are on the earth that... Um, Particularly where they cross, and again, you can't see the lines. It's more of a magnetic type of, of thing, okay? But where these lines cross are many times where there'll be a lot of paranormal activity. Uh, it will be where, if you've seen these places across America or in the world where you'll go to these houses and, like, they do all these things where, like, it looks like balls roll up hills and there's all these magnetic anomalies, Excuse me, it's almost like a fun house, but they, they have them in different parts. There's one not too long, far from where we live here in um, Boone, which is up in the mountains, and um, all kind of weird magnetic anomalies exist at these places. And a lot of times it's where ley lines will cross, these 
and they have what they call power points. And these are where these vortexes are created, these vortexes of energy. Cultists will be attracted to these areas because many, many times they're able to work their magic, their spells, much better than if they just work it at some random location. So just to kind of give you a little bit of, um, uh, I believe, well, let me just say the next sentence here and then I'll, I'll comment a little bit more. Crowley's ritual was called the alarm trough working. And according to his records, he became successful when a presence was manifested itself through the rift, through one of these vortexes or stargates. Okay, He called this being Lom, and he drew a portrait of it. And the startling image detailed over 90 years ago bears powerful similarity with the gray aliens of modern pop culture. Okay, so Crowley did this really, really high-level working. And he did it, I believe, in the King's Chamber of the Great Pyramid of Giza. So it was at one of these, like the Great Pyramid of Giza would be at one of these extremely high-level PowerPoint areas where an occultist would be attracted to in order to work magic. Okay, that's a, that's a great example of like a mega, mega place where they would be attracted to do magic, their magic. And this Lom character, who looks kind of like this a gray alien, came through this, and he gave, he gave him the text to this whole book. I think it was called Thelma. And um, a lot of it became like part of the Bible that Aleister Crowley ended up writing for occultists. So... Then, nearly three decades after the alarm trough working, rocket scientist and co-founder of Jet Propulsion Laboratory, Jack Parsons, and his pal, L. Ron Hubbard, founder of Scientology, and also Satanist. Did you know that? The guy that started Scientology was a Satanist. Now, if you want to know about any of these subjects, just go up to contendingfordruth.com and just key in Scientology in my search box there. If you can't find a particular subject, you can go up to YouTube and key in Scott Johnson and then Scientology or something like that. Because although we have a fully searchable database, sometimes um, some of them don't come up. And I'm not 100% sure why. But between those two options, you should be able to find the teachings. Anyway, him and his buddy Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard... Church of Scientology founder, conducted a second ritual called the Babylonian Working, in which they attempted to reopen Crowley's gateway. These men were not looking for Lom. They, were, they wanted to incarnate the whore of Babylon. That was their goal. A demon child, or a Geborum, is what they were actually trying to incarnate. Through a portal during ritual sex, I believe they had like gay sex with one another. And that is a lot of times... How they will, they, on some of the highest level occult workings like this, Crowley did that too. They will actually have to have gay sex in order for whatever entity they're trying to invoke for him to come. That's how sickening we're get the, the realm of what we're getting into. There, there, there's, there's, no, there's no end to the depravity and depths of Satan. Uh, Satan doesn't have any scruples, put it that way. So, these men were not looking for Lom, they were looking, they wanted to coronate the whore of Babylon. Parsons wrote that the ceremony was successful, and that at one point a brownish, yellowish light came through the doorway and something invisible struck him, knocking a candle out of his hand. Uh, it is interesting to note that following Crowley's magic portal, which allegedly produced the alien-looking Lom, 
in Hubbard, in Parsons' Babylonian working ritual, Crowley died that same year. And that same year was the first Roswell crash. And it was also the same year Kenneth Arnold saw his flying saucers and sightings of aliens around the world. Because we weren't getting like tons of UFOs and stuff like that up until 1947 when Roswell happened. So, again, what they actually created with these portals, who knows? But we know it wasn't good. Some believe that this is evidence that a demonic portal was indeed breached by these men. So, you have to understand, this is what CERN, the the particle collider over in Europe, that's what CERN's all about. What they're trying to do is literally create mega, mega portals and doorways so that these fallen angelic beings can enter into our plane of existence freely with no impediments at all. And you might say, well, they can do that anyway. Well, no, I don't think they can. And I think that's why evil men and seducers are waxing worse, deceiving and being deceived, according to Second uh, Timothy 3.13. Because as wickedness abounds, I understand grace all the more, but as this wickedness abounds, it's defiling the land. As more abortions take place in, in, the, in the death mills of Planned Parenthood across the world, it's defiling the land. It's allowing evil to literally come in and saturate our plane of existence. It also, I believe, has something to do with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which talks about he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then it says, and then that wicked one shall be revealed. This restraining force of God, he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. It's almost like this restraining hand of God is being slowly removed. I mean, you got to admit, everything's getting more wicked by the day. I mean, you got to. I mean, I don't think there's any debate on that. So I believe that that it's part of God's plan because He predicted it was going to happen. When you look at the Book of Daniel, you look at the Book of Revelation, you look at Second Thessalonians chapter two, and then that wicked one will be re- revealed. Uh, and, and then it goes on, you know, to say, for this cause, God shall send them, them being the majority of people on the planet, because the Bible says, narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go there. Hey, I wish everybody gets saved. I really do. But the reality is, is that the Bible says, few there be that find it. Doesn't mean we should go around thinking we're better than anybody. That's for sure. And yes, we should try to lead people to the Lord. You know, and give out tracts and do these types of things and try to educate people. Because that's our job. You know, part of our job as Christians. I don't think there's anything greater than somebody could do than lead somebody to the Lord. You know, I, I can't imagine. I mean, you know, you're dealing with a soul here. You can help somebody out. And do this or that for them, but actually leading someone to the Lord, I think that's about the highest thing anyone could aspire to. But it says, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie. Now, these devils and these demons and these evil entities coming through these portals, do you think they're coming over here to tell us the truth? No, they're coming here to deceive us in every way imaginable. 
Look at all the multitude and myriads of religions that we have on the planet. Do you know there's over 20,000 flavors of the Christian church? There's over 20,000 different denominations of the Christian church worldwide that call themselves Christian. How many of them, of those 20,000 plus denominations, are actually preaching Bible-believing Christianity, which I don't put any denominational label on it. I just call myself a Bible-believing Christian. A born-again Bible-believing Christian. Because, I mean, there's so much baggage that goes along with denominations. I truly don't see any Bible for having all these denominations. I mean, God is not the author of confusion. So you got all these different denominations, and you know they're all saying, well, you've got to get to heaven this way. You've got to get to heaven this way. Most of them are all based in works. But you're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Catholic Church probably being the height of that. It's totally works-based. Get to heaven religion. All you're going to do is get to hell. But hey, if I did it, I can boast about it. Yeah, right. You're going to go before God and boast about something. (laughs) I don't think so. The Bible says that we are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. So our best day, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, is like a filthy day in God, a filthy rag in God's sight. He's perfect. We can't even comprehend his perfection. We can't do it. So, anyway, for this cause God will send them a strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God's letting it happen. You know, God is letting it happen. So we have to understand that this is the day and time we're living in. And um, it is the end times. We're definitely moving headlong into the end times. Now, I said all that, and I want to say this now. This is from an excerpt. I would say it's a more modern day example of this satanic activity of opening these portals. Okay. Now I've been following this group for years. They're called the Stardoves. And they actually base themselves here not too far where I live in the uh, Pisgah Mountain Range in the Great Smoky Mountains. There's Mount Pisgah, which is where um at the, in fact that I even give you a sign that they have on their site, Mount Pisgah Trail. This trail leads through the Pisgah National Forest to the summit of Mount Pisgah, named after the biblical mount from which Moses first saw the Promised Land. This peak affords a panoramic view of western North Carolina. This is where they ended up settling. This is where they were told to go. By their spirit gods, by their ascended masters. Now, again, I wouldn't just want to start talking about this without prefacing it with all the other Bible that I just gave you and all these other things that we just mentioned. But this is something that's coming up. And this is something we should be praying about. This is on coming up in four days, 9-9 of 10. So it's September 9th, four days. They are having their Stargate opening and gathering here at their, what they call Light Lodge, which is their house they've got in the Mount Pisgah range. And is themed riding the ninth Mayan wave to 2012. Now if that don't sound new age, I don't know what does. <laughs> So we're going to be riding the ninth Mayan wave to 2012. 
Yeah. I think they should have had the guy. He's this really He's got this really big, gigantic gray beard. He looks super, super creepy. They're, they're, I think they should have had him, like, riding like a wave, you know, like on the thing, like he's hanging 10, you know, on a wave in Hawaii, and it's the my, it's the ninth Mayan wave, though. I think that would have been a good, kind of a cool way to segue into this. But anyway, I'm reading you from their website. I'm not agreeing with this. I'm reading to you from their website. It says, we need your assistance in opening the Stargates. Now, this is no different than what... L. Ron Hubbard, Jack Parsons, Aleister Crowley, and tons of other... It's no different than what they're trying to do at CERN. I think what they're trying to do at CERN, though, is a much more powerful way of doing this, most likely. But it says, we need your assistance in opening the Stargates. Performing this service requires a certain number of awakened star seeds. Uh, I would imagine that would preferably be like an indigo child, or... Uh, you know, what are they called? Dolphin children, indigo children, the whole nine yards. Sorry. Taylor likes dolphins, so she doesn't like when I say that. But they, they do call them sometimes dolphin children. Anyway, um, performing the service requires a certain number of awakened star seeds or light workers to coordinate with us at each sacred site. So what they're going to be doing is they're going to be going to these ultra-mega, what they would view in witchcraft as ultra-holy sites. Now, I went to ton of these back in Florida by myself and I would go there and I'd pray over these places and a lot of them were I mean they were way back in the woods some seriously creepy places and I don't advise you go there by yourself because you never know who might be guarding the place that literally they will have sometimes I've heard people in black robes standing guard all the time on these places so it's not something I'm telling you to go do by yourself unless the Lord Jesus Christ tells you to go but I mean it's it's better I mean the Bible says we're two or three gathered Together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Uh, the three core, uh, three, 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 four cold is not easily broken. If one can put a thousand in flight, two can put ten thousand. There's a lot of Bible for going at least at bare minimum in pairs. Okay, so anyway, but they need twelve or more of each site to open a stargate. Now, a reason, a reason I believe they're saying twelve or more is they're going to include one of their emissaries at the Stargate, and they're going to have a coven of 13. Because these are nothing more than high-level witches we're dealing with here. And this is how they practice their religion. Typically, they like to have a witch coven as 13. And these are, I don't believe these are garden-variety witches either. These are people that they, although they come off like they're Mrs. Peace and Love and whatever, or Kumbaya, they're, they're high-level. I really believe when you get into opening these things... You're dealing with high-level witchcraft. Not like entry-level garden-variety Wicca. Okay? But they love to put themselves in this wonderful veneer, and we're just about peace and love, and all this other stuff. So, they're going to have, I believe, 13 people at each site, at each sacred site. And I believe this is going to be across the world. This isn't just here in North Carolina. It's across the world. At these particular stargates... On this particular date, why? Because they do everything by astrology. They live their life by astrology. I don't mean astronomy, I mean astrology, like the horoscope and all that other stuff, which is forbidden in the Bible. It's forbidden. Stargazers and all this, I mean, they were sentenced to death in the Bible. That's why I'm saying, you better not be reading that horoscope every morning, because that's pure witchcraft. You don't want to be messing around with that stuff. 
We need 12 or more at each site to open a Stargate at the sacred site selected. Be one of those helping Gaia to receive these special cosmic benedictions from the stars. How well put. <laughs> ah. The 9-9 Stargate opening is for all beings to come together at sacred sites or abodes of light to explore what consciousness the ninth wave will create and what will require and what will be required of each of us to be able to step up to becoming co-creators with this wave. There's always a whenever you read these things about the new agers, there's always this thing about us becoming as gods, co-creators, us ascending, us evolving. This is what the age of Aquarius is all about. They believe that in order for us to get out of the age of Pisces that was dominated by Jesus Christ, into the age of Aquarius that will be dominated by their coming anointed one, I believe Maitreya will be the one that ushers that in, and at least that's what they're saying. It's what the occult and the New Age writings are saying. But in order for that to happen, there's going to have to be a lot of these gates and portals and high-level witchcraft and evocation invocations to happen in order for that whole thing to come about. They believe that. And they are going to be co-creators. And in other words, it's the same lie that the serpent said to Eve in the garden when he tempted her, when he said, well, ye shall be as gods. That's what they think they're going to become. Going further, it says, thus we will be doing our part to accomplish the ascension. And we'll be ready for 2012. Now, there's a, a lot of them truly believe that they are going to ascend. And that they literally are going to be raptured. They're expecting it. They're expecting the spaceships to come or something to happen where they're actually taken out of this plane of existence to a certain extent. Now you can imagine if that were to happen, it were to happen to a lot of high-level occultists and Christians that were expecting a pre-trip rapture were here, that might dishearten a whole bunch of people. Just bear in mind, that may be how it works out. I don't know. I can't be totally dogmatic. I'm not going to get into a debate on pre-trip rapture. I mean, honestly, I think we're close enough right now where we're all going to know soon enough. We all are. <laughs> we're we're going to know about the pre-trip rapture soon enough because as soon as World War III starts, I really believe that we're looking at the end of World War III, which Cutting Edge believes it's 91 days. I, I don't know. They, they, they base that off a lot of occult things that they've seen predicted. But if that be the case, you know... We couldn't be that far off from, from knowing that because World War III could, could break out very soon. Let's go further here. Rather than what the end of the calendar system is all about completion or fulfillment. Okay, so we'll be ready for 2012. Rather, what the end of the calendar system is, is all about a completion or a fulfillment. And they're talking about the Mayan calendar. It's a fulfillment of this evolutionary processes that have been going on from the beginning of time and have led the world to what it is today. So you have to understand, they also believe that we are, this evolutionary process, we are evolving into being gods. Now, the more demon-possessed you get, the better in their eyes. They wouldn't acknowledge that ever. 
but that's how they think. And the transhumanists believe that if we're implanted with all these neural implants and if we get all these vaccines with foreign tainted DNA and, and nanomicrochips in us, well, we're, we're not even fully human anymore. We're part machine, which is also a step in the ascension process. We're becoming better. We're becoming more like our creators, according to them, who are these ascended masters, who are nothing more than actually these aliens. Because that's called the ancient astronaut lie. The ancient astronaut lie is essentially where these people will either get abducted or they'll channel through these ascended masters or they'll have direct interaction with them. And what are they being told all the time? They're being told that, hey, essentially the Bible's a lie. We came here millions and millions of years ago. We seeded your planet with humanity. And... You're a little science project, and you've messed things up so bad that we're going to have to come back to straighten everything out because you guys really messed everything up. And we're going to do it because we're benevolent and we're good, and we just don't have any choice because if we leave it up to you, you're going to destroy everything. When in reality, they were the ones that created all the havoc because they were the ones, these spirits were the ones that were behind all evil that ever took place on the planet. And yet they're going to blame it on humanity. And they're also going to say, all the stuff you heard about Jesus Christ, all a lie. Father God, we actually created you. It's called the ancient astronaut theory. There's different versions of it. There's, there's versions where they, you know, they actually literally cr- created man and maybe a caveman-like form and he evolved into what we are today. Or there's other versions where basically, you know, they were the ones that seeded the planet with, with, uh, two cell amoebas and they eventually evolved into, you know, uh, a frog and, and some kind of amphibian thing and then he slithered up on shore and he turned into a, a capuchin monkey and then the capuchin monkey turned into a horse and the horse turned into a gorilla and the gorilla ended up turning into Piltdown Man and Neanderthal Man and then we get that we get that flavor. So it just, it just kind of depends which insane, nutty lie you want to believe. But anyway, that, that's, that's when they talk about these evolutionary processes. See, we're right on the cusp of becoming gods, according to them. Even though the world's getting more wicked by the moment, evidently, I guess they view that as good. You know. Then it goes on to say, these nine cosmic forces are the nine evolutionary progressions, each through 13 energies that, have, that the prophetic Mayan calendar system is made up of and from. It is, however, the ninth and highest of these wave movements that will bring about the final shift to unity of consciousness. So what they're saying here, this thing that's going to take place in four days from now, 9, 9, 10, is a real big deal. According to these high-level occultists and witches and warlocks, or whatever you want to call them, they're saying that this ninth is the final shift to unity of consciousness. What is the one world religious... What's the new world order all about? Unity. One world religion, one world religious system, one world economic, one world political, one world currency. All the religions coming into one. When you start seeing this final shift of unity to consciousness, it's something that I'm going to pay attention to. And then it goes on to say that... And it will accumulate as the calendar comes to an end. At 9-9, Stargate opening and gathering, here at the Light Lodge, we will each be led personally to interact with these nine cosmic forces. 
Carl Johann Kalamann, Ph.D. in physical biology from the University of Stockholm, has been a senior researcher at the University of Washington. He points out that despite all these previous shifts in cosmic history, there is something very special and significant with this new consciousness that may be expected to be generated by this ninth wave. It is designed to bring a shift to, he says, this is his quote, he said, it is designed to bring a shift to unity consciousness where the human mind no longer will be dominated by any dark filter. Now, you know what they're mostly in reference to there? Christianity. Because that's the only real uh, force of good on this planet that, that poses any threat to them at all. I mean, all the other religions, they've already got them. But true Bible-believing Christians is who they're in reference to with this dark filter, I believe. I, that's what I think. See, they would look as a, at a born-again Bible-believing Christian and say, oh, you're, 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 you're not evolved. You're, 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 your mind is under this dark filter. You're, you're caught in all this, this biblical fundamentalism. You, 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 you terrible, terrible person. This is how they would look at us. Okay? Just so you know. Going further, then it goes on to say, in July of 2008, the star doves were deployed to the sacred Appalachian Smoky Mountain Meditation Retreat. They were sent to establish an enclave of ascended masters, as well as an outpost for what they call the Ashtar Command. Ashtar Command has a lot to do with aliens, and the ascended masters have a lot to do with aliens, but the ascended masters also regarding like Maitreya and... Um, uh, Master Jesus, as we've talked about before, it's the false Jesus. They call him Sanand Emmanuel. There's one named Hanton. There's another one named Sanat Kumara, who basically calls himself Satan. Uh, there's all kind of these ascended masters, okay, that are there. I just believe what they are, are they're fallen angels in some type of, when they manifest, in some type of human-like form. And I believe they're going to have a lot to do with the coming end-time deception and the coming end-time world, new world order, essentially. Remember, when the Antichrist and the false prophet come, they're going to come with all lying signs and wonders. And by means of those miracles, they're going to deceive everybody on the planet. Well, these guys are going to be able to do miracles of plenty. They're going to be lying signs and wonders, though. That's why the Bible says, Jesus Christ said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. So, granted, I'm not saying God can't give you a sign, but if you're seeking after them like the Catholics do, or like a lot of other religions do, if that's your primary criteria upon if it's true or not, then you are already deluded. You've got to compare it to the word of God, which is the anvil of truth. The Bible says, what is truth? Thy word is truth. Uh... Going further, there are 12, this is them talking, there are 12 main lattice areas, not lettuce, but lattice areas fed by high-frequency geophysical pyramids. Now, this has to do with these ley lines and these really, really heavy-duty, I would say, sites where they go to where either it's where ley lines cross or a lot of innocent blood has been shed, the land has been defiled, these types of things. They are fed by high-frequency geophysical pyramids. One of these areas is here in the Blue Ridge Mountain area in, near Asheville, North Carolina. And today it's called, which are today called Mount Pisgah and Mount Mitchell. They also mention Grandfather Mountain here, and they also mention Chimney Rock. Just so you know. Now, when we were up at Chimney Rock, I was praying. I didn't even know one of these places these when we went to Chimney Rock not too long ago. Beautiful. 
gorgeous. Praise the Lord. All I can do is praise God. I'm like, oh my word, this is awesome. And um, But I was praying a lot up there, and I didn't even really realize that um, that these were one of their sacred sites. Then it goes on to say, key time clock areas in the USA also exist in Mount Shasta, which is on the west coast. Uh, the star doves have then have now been led to they call the promised land, and that's where they post this Mount Pisgah trail picture. They'll quote scripture to you, these people. <laughs> don't think a lot of them don't know the Bible, but they'll only quote selected scriptures, ones that you know they're 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 quoting this. So anyway, that's the end of part one. Um, hopefully, that'll give you a good idea. I, I would ask you to pray about this. Whatever they're going to be trying to pull off on 9-9. And don't wait until 9-9 to do it. Start ahead of time. Come against their witchcraft in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, his angelic host, and through the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The Bible says, it's not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Pray fast, because this is wickedness. What they're trying to do is open these doorways, just like Crowley did, just like Parsons did, L. Ron Hubbard, and countless others, and just like they're trying to do at CERN. CERN's another thing that, that we need to be praying against. Because when we, when I remember when we announced that before, CERN went down. There's a lot of people praying about it. CERN went down for months and months and months and months. Now it's been up again, as far as I know. So it is something also that, that is going to be used for great wickedness. Now I understand, in the end, God's going to permit it to happen. But I still think that we're commanded to resist evil. And to expose and reprove the unfruitful works of darkness. And again, they're just trying to let evil into our dimension. So I take that personally. Okay, we're going to go to part two. God bless you.